0: Healthy Growing Churches, ministry coaches that help your church launch new life. In today's podcast, we'll begin to listen to an interview between Beth Ellert and Tom Plank. Tom is the chief catalyst for Healthy Growing Churches. Tom will talk about what a healthy church is, some success stories, and the challenges that we're going to see in the future. Tom will talk about cohorts that we're looking at starting with multiplication, with Dying to Restart and Turnaround Churches. The consultation process is covered just a little bit in this interview and some emphasis on Dying to Restart as not only a book, but also a cohort that's a resource for you. What I think you'll hear in this interview and anytime you listen to Tom, you're gonna hear that he has a heart for the church, that he really cares. It's not just assessments to figure out what things need to be done. It's a joy and it's a privilege to be able to move the meter forward on multiplying the church, on growing the church for Christ in today's environment. We hope that this podcast will be useful for you as as you listen to Tom's heart, and we hope that Healthy Growing Churches can somehow reach out and help you start new life.
1: Hi guys, welcome to the Healthy Growing Churches podcast channel. Um, My name is Beth Ellert, and today I have the distinct pleasure of interviewing our CEO, Tom Flank. How's it going, Tom?
2: It's going fantastic mm-hmm. glad to be uh glad to be on the podcast today. Glad to be kicking this off
1: it's awesome yeah i'm I'm really excited to be able to interview you because I plan to ask you the good, bad, and the ugly, and the embarrassing so um, oh, just, let's get ready. no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah, so I, uh, I understand that you have just recently sort of assumed leadership of healthy growing churches. So um, tell me about kind of how that all took place and tell me about um, the previous um, leader and, and all that kind of stuff. Just tell me all, all about that.
2: Yeah, well, that's a, that might be a podcast in and of itself. So yeah. I'll, try the, uh, I'll try to give you the short version. Uh, HGC started, uh, it's been probably close to 11 years ago now. Um, uh, HGC's founder was uh, uh, the leader of a network of churches in the state of Florida and was doing some incredibly uh, innovative things and um, uh, began to get requests uh, from around the U.S. and even around the country. And so uh, it felt natural to... Uh, create a separate organization as he jet-setted to a few different places with the opportunity to engage networks of churches and churches and pastors. And so uh, that was at least at part the genesis of uh, the start of Healthy Growing Churches.
1: Very cool. So tell me, what do you think about Greg Wines now?
2: (laughs) 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 Greg Wines. One of the things that I say about Greg Wines, who's now assumed leadership of healthy-growing leaders, is he's a unicorn, uh, engineer-turned-seminarian, turned-pastor, turned-church-planter, turned-leader-of-a-network-of-churches, and in the middle there somewhere, I decided to go back to school, get a PhD uh, as a psychometrician. Uh, So he's, I don't know of anyone, I don't know, if there just can't be any other psychometrician that has that background in in ministry and especially church planning. So uh, Greg is a dear friend and still very much a partner in ministry. And it was very much an honor to assume leadership of uh, HGC full-time about a year ago.
1: Who is Tom Plank? Who would you say that you are? And... Why is church growth and engaging leaders in churches so important to you?
2: That's a great question. Uh, Well, you know, as far as who I am, um, you know, um, you know, at my core, I'm a follower of Jesus. And, you know, I've worked really hard over the years to uh, do that first. Um, You know, when I think about, being a dad, being a husband, being a leader in the church, being the pastor of a local church, being a leader like of a ministry like HGC Now, you know, if you don't get that piece right, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of things um, don't go the way they should go. So at, at my core, I'd like to be able to say follower of Jesus first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I mentioned husband. Uh, my wife and I have been married, working on 27 years. I have two fantastic uh, biological kids, a uh, son that's 22, a daughter that's 18, and they're off figuring out life. And I recently... Um,
1: With a good last... foundation, though, right? I mean, they have sure.
2: A... I'd like to think so. Yeah, I'd like to think so. Absolutely. And then this past summer, we um, God gave us a second daughter. My son got married, so we have two daughters now.
1: So you told me a little bit about how Healthy Growing Churches got started, and you and about its founder, Greg Wines, and how you got involved. So in your own words, can you tell me what is a healthy growing church? And is that an anomaly in um, today's society, especially in the United States? Or what are your thoughts about that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question, Beth. Um, You know, I think that, you know, there's lots of ways to answer the question of what is a healthy growing church. There's lots of paths that you could go down. I think the one that I would choose to go down today is just to say that you know a healthy a healthy church is a church that's on mission. Mm-hmm. And when you race to the core of what mission looks like it has to include the great uh, the great commandment and the great commission. So I think mm-hmm. when you have a body of believers regardless of size, shape, philosophy of ministry, what it looks, smells or feels like when you're uh engaged you know with that congregation if it's if it's living the great commitment or the great commandment and the great commission then i think it's it's well on its way to being healthy because it's hard to live into loving your neighbor as you love yourself Uh, and it's hard to live into the words of you know there's multiple places where we we get that great commission idea but Mm -hmm you know, going to all the world and make disciples. I mean, there's pieces of that. If you're really living into that, people are walking to and across the line of faith and being discipled and then making disciples of others and engaging their community. I think that that body is well on its way to, you know, to being healthy. I think, you know, a few years back, you know, we probably would have described a healthy church as uh, through the addition lens. In other words, if the everything, the nickels and noses are up and to the right, this church must be healthy and it must be growing. I think today, you know, with heavily, you know, being heavily influenced by the conversation that's swirling about around exponential, you know, it's, it's really, as in, it's, it's about that. Obviously, we want to see, you know, um, you know, more people engaged. we want to see more people serving in ministry, we want to see more people, sh- you know, showing up to whatever it is that we're doing. But, you know, I think for us today, it's, you know, is the, is disciple making happening happening to a third, fourth generation of reproduction, and, and is the church planting churches? I think we've kind of moved the meter on, uh, you know, what healthy is or, you know, I think the scorecard in so many ways has, you know, has changed for us over the years.
1: Yeah, definitely. You can definitely see a shift that is happening in the church today from just, you know, sort of this come and see model and getting butts in the seat kind of thing to, yeah, how do we really equip people, empower people and send them out and so that's one of the reasons I really love healthy, growing churches and, and that kind of stuff. So um, the yeah, stat- you know,
2: Beth recently uh, Pine Tops uh, Foundation released a study, which I'd highly recommend. You can get it at the dot org, and there's tons of takeaways from that particular research that they did. And and they they pulled the group together to study this because they were trying to figure out how to best steward the resources that God had given them as they invest in pastors and churches and ministries. But you know. It, Typically, in a year, we plant about four thousand churches in North America and Canada, uh, and about thirty-seven hundred close. So the net gains three hundred. So that's not even keeping up with population grade right. rate. So the study says basically that if we're going to reach the, the the growing population and the, the you know the floods of people you know that are you know turn eighteen and leave the church. Uh, we're going to have to plant probably close to 8,000 churches a year. So I'm just convinced that if we're going to get to that kind of a number, that it, it, we're not going to get there if it's if it's um, initiated by the, a denomination or even some of the phenomenal networks that we have out there today, like Stadia and our Canute Thing Network. It's going to really require grass moots, grassroots movement of established churches really wrestling to the ground. What does it look like for us to multiply as well? I think that's... That's the only way we get there is if it extends, you know, way into and throughout the, you know, the, the church across, uh, across our country.
1: So with regards to all of these statistics that we see that the church is in decline and that obviously we've got us plant 8,000 churches <laughs> what every year um, in order to keep up with population and all of that kind of stuff. Do you really believe that healthy, growing churches can make a difference in that, and how?
2: Well, there's, there's several answers to that question, Beth. Uh, you know, our passion, our mission is to engage churches, um, engage leaders to be healthy, to multiply. And so, you know, there's a variety of ways that we're getting after that. Uh, this fall, we're going to be launching some cohorts. What we've discovered in the last couple of years is we've done some significant work with a few networks around the country, a few networks of churches is if we can get pastors having the right conversation we get movement Mm -hmm. we get movement toward healthier churches we get movement toward disciple making we get movement toward church reproduction we get movement that sparks new life and so you know our cohorts are really designed to be just that it's to circle pastors up uh, and put a leader in the mix and, and make sure that they're having the right conversation. Because we know if we can get pastors having the right conversation, we get movement. So cohorts is a big part of, of you know, this a new push on, on our side. At least the cohort work that we were doing was for some network of churches, but we're kind of launching out to provide some cohorts on our own. So I'm really excited about that. That'll be one of the key ways that we engage, you know, pastors and churches going forward. The second way is through a uh, consultation, and a consultation is designed to help a, a local church really discern current realities. In other words, one of the metaphors that I often use is a con- an HGC consultation is a is a real deep look under the hood. Mm-hmm. And you don't sometimes it, you know, as a pastor, a board member, or a layperson in a church, you don't know what you don't know. You don't you can't see what you can't see, right? And so, an outside ed- set of eyes is going to be Incredibly helpful in not only discerning current realities, but helping a church craft their best path forward. Uh, So the consultation is a significant way that we engage churches. And then finally uh, is the coaching dynamic. Um, You know, whether it's uh, coaching inside a cohort or coaching that would jump outside of a cohort moment, but certainly following that consultation, coaching has been a key dynamic, um, you know, for us, you know, from the beginning and continues to be a significant way that we uh, that we engage engage leaders
1: so going back to the idea of cohorts what types of cohorts do you offer at healthy growing churches
2: yeah so this fall we're hoping to launch three different types of cohorts to really uh, help pastors take a, a specific journey uh, the first one that I would uh, would mention is uh, dying to restart Greg Wines and one of our network pastors at HGC a few months back published a book called dying to restart and it's really uh the story of one church and some other stories are woven in and some practical uh uh, pieces to what it look yeah what it looks like for a church to make the courageous decision to die so something new can give can be born that's the story of dan turner who's a Mm -hmm. pastor just outside of uh, washington dc um interestingly enough you know what started north uh, uh northwest um journey was an HGC consultation, and you know to see the story that God's author theirs has been incredible to watch, but, you know, when you look at the number of churches across our country that are on plateau or decline, uh, when you look at the 3,700 that die annually, uh, dying to restart is dying with a purpose, uh, and the purpose being the launching of something new, leveraging the resources that are there, whether it's a facility or some people or, re- you know, money, and so, dying to restart uh, will happen in two phases. Cohorts will happen in two phases. Phase one will be, you know, six months long. It'll be for those folks that are really trying to wrestle to the ground. Is this a is this a path that God wants us to, to walk? And then phase two, be another six um, six month journey, would be for those who are kind of walking that process out. Because leading a congregation toward, you know, that that courageous decision of dying to restart is a, it is a journey, and. So I'm excited to offer that. Uh, you know, we've we've done some of that work with uh, with a few churches, and it's been incredibly, um, you know, life giving to to the pastors and leaders uh, that we've engaged on that front. So I'm really excited about the D2R uh, cohorts. The second kind is really interesting. Beth, it's a it's a multiplication huddle, or multiplication cohort. Sorry, we call them multiplication huddles, where we're. Working with some of the network churches, but we have some real data points and experience with our multiplication huddles. Uh, matter of fact, just uh, just this week, I was in Lima with uh, one of the network of churches that we're serving, and there's been you know several multiplication cohorts in that region in the last couple of years, and they have really been the spark of some actual multiplication ventures that are launched this fall and in an early nineteen, which is really exciting. So. You know, a couple of years ago, we challenged a group of pastors, just to, to flip the question from "Should you multiply?" to "How will you multiply?" And then we created this intentional path to kind of help them figure out what that would look like. So it's been been really exciting to watch God use the, the multiplication uh, cohort in uh, the network of churches that we serve in the Midwest. So I'm super excited about you know providing that opportunity because again, if we're going to see 8,000 churches launch, we need some established churches to. Get circled up and really figure out what it looks like for them to uh, to multiply. And then the final one is is for turnaround uh, pastors. Uh, you know, if you have a church that's in plateau of decline and need a new of a new life cycle. Um, we've created an intentional um, journey for a pastor to walk to really you know figure out what it looks like for them to to launch a new life cycle. We're calling that turnaround cohort. So excited about all three. I think all three serve very specific needs in the church and. Uh, could be great resources for uh, for pastors. So we're really excited about launching those this fall.
1: Yeah, I think those sound really amazing. I almost wish I could be a part of one myself.
2: Well, we'd be glad to get you in. One <laughs>
1: um, I do know with the Dying to Restart book, especially that that is available on our website and on Amazon and basically wherever you can buy books. Um so that's a really great um, that's a great resource I read it in detail because I helped edit it and so it really encouraged me even though I wasn't in a situation where I was in a church that was in need of a restart or to die to restart again that book in and of itself is still incredibly encouraging and I will say along the lines of the cohort idea, what you see happening in that book, one of the things you see at least, is that another church partnered with Northwest to help um, bring this this about. And it's really cool, the cohort idea of partnering with other uh, ministers and other ministry leaders and things like that and working together because you just get this really beautiful influx of ideas and and thoughts, and things that you can apply, and and so we definitely saw that, I think, happening with Dying to Restart, so I'm excited about the cohort idea, and and just what comes out of that, and the stories that come out of that, and then being able to tell those stories to people, so kudos on that.
2: absolutely, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely, you know, Beth, it's, uh, you know, I've been, I was, I did 21 years of local church work in Cincinnati, planted a couple churches, helped a couple emerge, and you know, I stepped into this role with HGC a couple years ago, full time, maybe two, two years, two full years in November. One of the things that's just been completely overwhelming to me is the high percentage of uh, pastors that I bump into on a weekly, you know, a daily, weekly, monthly basis that are just discouraged. They're frustrated and they feel isolated uh, and they, they feel like they're asking way more questions than they have answers to execute on. And so... You know, at at my core, I I really, you know, for at least this season in ministry, feel really called to be a pastor's pastor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that those dynamics, and I haven't done the statistics. I can't tell you if it's 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10. I'm just saying it's it's a high percentage of the pastors that we're interacting with. And, you know, they they need a circle. They, They need somewhere where they can um You know, find encouragement, find tools, find resources, uh, you know, uh, have the right conversation. Um, You know, I think it's a, you know, it's one of the key strategies for the church uh, going forward, for sure.
1: Absolutely. And then we, you also talked about consultations. So how does the Healthy Growing Church's consultation process look? And um, how is that process perhaps unique from other ministries doing sort of similar work?
2: Yeah, you know that that too Beth is probably a, a whole podcast. But so let me try to fly at thirty thousand feet, give you kind of the high points. Um, it really happens in what I would describe as kind of three phases. Phase one is really preparation, and so there's a significant amount of work that a, that a congregation or a local church needs to do before we ever get boots on the ground. You know, with a consultation team to you know to do a consultation weekend. And most of that is wrapped up in what we describe as a self-study and a self-study is, um, you know, a a pastor and a team that he or she would put together uh, to, you know, pull together a variety of different data points. There would be some assessment work that would be done. There would be some assessments on the church. There would be some assessment work done on individuals, mostly with paid, paid, paid or unpaid staff. Uh, and then digging around in the church's history, you know, numerical history, financial history, staffing history, those kinds of pieces. We would encourage part of the self-study as well for there to be a couple focus groups, you know, among the staff and among the leadership board of the church. When they get done with all of this work, you know, they put it in one document. It, it, typically, it ends up being 15, 20, 25 pages. So the multiple data points, uh, which is, uh, you know, in, in intriguing when you get that when that finally hits your inbox to you know, make your way through that self-study and you feel like you you really have a pretty significant snapshot of where, you know, where a church is. Second phase of that is actually the consultation weekend where typically we'll spend the better part of Friday uh, meeting with the staff, uh, take the pastor and his wife to dinner. Because if you really want to know what's going on in the church, Beth, you go to the pastor's wife or spouse, right? Wife or husband, depending on the, the context and then in the evening on friday we'll do a couple of focus groups depending on the size of the church uh, again from the the time we we you know we uh, decide to do a consultation with the church up until you know probably midday on saturday we're big time in listening posture we're not giving answers we're not mm-hmm. making suggestions we're really trying to take in uh, and listen deeply to um, you know the things that we're seeing and hearing Saturday morning, we like to spend with the uh, the, the, le- the main leadership board of the church, whatever they call it—elders or trustees—and again, you know, we're, we're in full-on listening posture, really trying to hear the heart of the church, uh, see where there's vision, where there may be a lack of a vision, uh, really see if we can can perceive, understand, and hear, you know, areas of unhealth, and then we'll do lunch on Saturday with. Uh, with the leadership community of the church. or probably pull the staff back in the board, just do some relational time. Again, just trying to listen. And then Saturday afternoon, Beth, is really where we do some training. And by the time we get to mid-morning on Saturday, we have a pretty good idea of some recommendations that may need to be made. And so what we're trying to do on a Saturday afternoon, especially on a Sunday morning when one of our team will preach, is really provide that apostolic prophetic and evangelistic dynamic for a local church because what we know to be true when churches get on the backside of the life cycle there's they have certain things in common um, there's a lack of catalytic leadership uh, there's probably a lack of when i say when i talk about uh, prophetic and evangelistic apostolic voice i'm not talking necessarily in the charismatic sense but i'm talking about in that vision and the missional dynamic and reaching people and all those kinds of kinds of pieces. And so with the training on Saturday afternoon, especially the teaching time on a Sunday morning, we really feel like it's our opportunity, especially in churches that are on the backside of a life cycle to really provide that apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic voice that's probably been missing. Right. And so Saturday evening after we do the training, we'll grab some dinner as a team and then um, really hole up somewhere and really, you know, process through everything that we've seen and heard, and try to put together um, some recommendations for a congregation. So uh, when we wake up Sunday morning, we have a pretty polished set of recommendations that we wanna share, probably with the pastor, or maybe the board, or maybe a representative from the board. Mm-hmm. And then in some form, after the Sunday morning service, we would share those recommendations, and we've done that a variety of different ways. Sometimes it's just handing it to them when, when folks, as folks leave, sometimes it's sharing it with the whole congregation. It really depends on the situation but you know we would we would make some recommend, recommendations then and then at that point beth you know a church has really two decisions to make one do they want to access our portfolio of resources or do they want to and try to figure it out on their own or do they want to get in covenant with us and we really walk them through implementing the recommendations over a couple of years um, you know, the original, one of the original questions you asked was what sets HGC's process apart? Because obviously we're not the only ministry out there that's engaging churches in this kind of a way. I think there's a couple things that I would say. Uh, one, I would say that our uh, process is, is very research oriented. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, uh, you know, I tried to talk you through in a real fast way some of the, the multiple data points, places that we're getting information as we try to take a look under the hood of a local church but I think that sets us apart in a lot of ways we're not coming in with a pre-built system and say if you'll install this system on your hard drive um, you know you'll be a healthy growing church you'll be well on your way to making disciples and you know planting other churches Uh, for us it's you know every church is unique every church has um, you know a piece to it that, you know, we may not have seen before or may not have bumped into before. There's always something unique about every, every situation. And so that requires, you know, a real flexible, customizable uh, approach as well. So that's the other piece that I like about our, and we have lots of tools, resources that that folks can access, but we really do customize it based on what the needs are uh, of the church. So I think those are a couple of things that set us apart.
1: Yeah. I mean, if the church is a, is truly a living breathing organism in the same way each of us as individuals is uniquely wired so is each church right so psalm 139 applies both as um, an individual thing and maybe even as a as a church thing as well It things like to me and you talk a lot about um, some of the assessments and stuff uh so i know the assessment part of what we do at healthy growing churches is a big part um, can you talk a little bit about that and how that works?
2: Yeah, there's a couple of different ways that I would talk about assessments, Beth. One, uh, you're talking about the assessment of an individual leader. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really access, um, you know, our partners, resources, and the ministry that Greg has recently, you know recently launched called Healthy Growing Leaders, which is all about, you know, assessing individuals and developing assessments for individuals and organizations. And so... You know we're we're convinced that for uh, that we're convinced of a couple things. One, everyone has an A game, and that um, sometimes you need some outside resources to help you discover that. Uh, And assessment is a great way to get after that. Uh, You know, if we if we if we're operating in our A game, we have the best opportunity to be most impactful impactful for the kingdom. So, you know, anytime we engage uh, a church, we're typically leveraging some level of assessment of the individual leaders, because we want to understand, you know, where are they strong, where are, the, where are the strengths, where are the weaknesses, where are the challenges, where are the lids, uh, and assessment's a big part of that. The other way that we use assessments is uh, we, we have some very specific assessments on the uh, church side, a couple that we've developed, you know, and a couple that are some outside resources but um, you know the two that we would use almost every time we engage a church is uh, life cycle assessment helping a church discern where they are in the life cycle and then uh, the the other one is church type which is really helping a church you know identify are we a single cell multi cell or a stretched cell mm-hmm. and both of those perspectives are you know very important as we begin To have a conversation about you know what where a church really is and what the best path forward for them uh, you know those are two key dynamics the other one we use is an assessment that greg uh, developed for exponential called uh, becoming five or the b5 assessment Mm -hmm. and it really helps the church identify what level they are so one being you know um uh in decline, and five being kind of this viral multiple multiplication thing happening. Three being growing, uh, you know. And where 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 do they see themselves now, and what do they aspire to? So we can kind of get a sense of you know where a church is, and its perspective on you know not only current reality as it relates to multiplication, but you know does a future desire as well. Because again, you know a few years ago, healthy and growing was okay with us, and it's still okay with us. But, you know, we've really changed our end game and that we want a church not only healthy, but not only growing. We really want them uh, multiplying on a micro level and macro level. Micro being
0: disciple making Mm -hmm. and macro level being, you know, uh, helping other churches get started. That's all we have time for today. But tune in next time. We'll get into part two and see what else is up with Healthy Growing Churches.